This podcast brought to you by Hope 103.2. The mental impact of social distancing and the uncertainty of everything right now might be making you feel lonely, anxious, or depressed. And on the radio, we always say the lifeline number, but I've never actually called it. So I thought it would be helpful for us to pull back the veil and find out what happens when you dial 13 11 14. Joining us this morning is Rachel Bowes, Head of Crisis Services at Lifeline Australia. Good morning, Rachel. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Rachel, how big is Lifeline as a network across Australia? Um, it's massive, actually. I think a lot of people don't don't realise that. So there are around, well, there are over 40 Lifeline centres spread out geographically through all the states in Australia. And most of those have um, uh, a, a section um, of their service that delivers our 13, 11, 14 phone service so a lot of the lifeline centers have many other strings to their bow you know they have book fairs and they do a lot of face-to-face counseling and other great community services but most of them also deliver um our 13 11 14 crisis support service and text and chat as well so there are people volunteers all over australia who um respond when someone calls or contacts lifeline and we have around over a million contacts a year now, and that's um, uh, an increasing number over the last few years. So it, it works out at around around three and a half thousand contacts a day. Has that increased since the pandemic struck last year? Yeah, so we've seen really a gradual increase over the last couple of years. So if you think back to the um, the, the before Christmas twenty nineteen when we had the first bushfires, those terrible bushfires in New South Wales. And that was really when we started to see an increase in, in volume. So we were around, um, again, about 2,500, 2,800 calls a day at that point. Um, and we just have really gradually seen those daily numbers creep up since the start of that bushfire um, season. And then off the back of that, almost straight away came COVID in the February, March time. And really those numbers uplifted then and have stayed pretty consistent ever since. We know that number 13, 11, 14. Is it okay to call that if you're not at a critical state of mind? Like if you're just feeling lonely, is that, or should it be saved for others who might need to get through? (laughs) Look, we deliberately have no criteria about when people can call us. I mean, we we say that we're a crisis support service and suicide prevention. And those things, particularly crisis, is really determined by the person who's experiencing it, not by us. So we would never say that someone shouldn't call us or that their reason for calling is not justified because if it's significant enough for you to need to reach out and speak to someone, then absolutely it's important enough for us to to take that call and, and treat you seriously as a caller. So, no, there's no reason. If someone's in a crisis or feels that they have nowhere else to turn, they absolutely should call us. And people shouldn't wait until they're desperate because talking about things at the start of a problem often helps resolve it much more quickly than waiting until things have got so terrible that the situation is much more critical. So really the sooner that people seek help, the better. Say, for example, I've got a friend who is struggling big time and, you know, I, I, I encourage them to call the number 13, 11, 14, but they are the, of the mindset that, no, I'm not at that point. I, I don't need to make that call. Um, what would you say is good advice to be able to, say to that person to make sure that they do get in touch with Lifeline? 
I think you should try and encourage them to speak to someone. And they may they might not be ready to call a number, but they might be ready to talk to you um, mm. as an individual. So I think it's important to acknowledge with that person that you can see that they're struggling and that you really would encourage them to talk to someone and let them know that you're available to, to be their support if they need be. But also let them know that there are numbers such as Lifeline where they can get immediate anonymous help for anything even if that is just a um a bit of a reality check about whether or not your problem's important because sometimes people don't ring us because they think that their problem is not big enough or they think that they're making a big deal out of of something that's not important and and sometimes one of the really important things people get when they ring Lifeline is that acknowledgement that what they're dealing with is really difficult, that they're, you know, they're not unreasonable to feel the way that they do, that their problem is significant, but importantly, that they can do something about it. So I would always say encourage someone to make contact, even if they don't think it's important, to just check that out with somebody else, to have one objective say, Yes, you you should you should feel down. You should feel sad. You should feel worried. Let's have a plan about how you're going to address it. Okay, so say we make the call to Lifeline. We ring thirteen eleven fourteen. Are we going to get through through straight away? How long are we likely to be on hold for? What happens when we make the call? Um, so you go into a queue. So the first message that people hear is an automated message that lets them know that they've called Lifeline and tells them if their if their situation is an emergency. So if they need triple zero, they should call that straight away. We're not an emergency service in that in that way, um, and we let people know about about the privacy stuff. So all the kind of things that we have to tell them up the front to keep them safe and and be compliant. And that takes, you know, maybe 30 seconds. The average wait time at the moment to get through to a crisis spot, it really varies on the time of day, but it's about 90 seconds. Um, So it's about a minute and a half. Sometimes that can be a little longer. There's times of the day and the week when we're super busy, like on the in, in the evenings and on the weekends where it might take a little bit longer. But um, usually within a few minutes, someone is speaking to a crisis supporter. And I guess our really strong message is stay on the line because we will always answer, even if it takes, you know, at the extreme case, eight, ten minutes, please, yeah, let's stay on because we always will answer. There's always someone there to take a, to take a call. Um, but, yeah, usually it's around 90 minutes. So you'll hear a few automated messages and then you'll be put through as soon as a crisis supporter is available. You'll go through to them. And they really are super skilled at just gently encouraging people to talk. Because, again, one of the things I think that puts people off is that they don't know what to say. They think, what I've got all these many things happening, all these feelings, all these emotions, all these difficult situations. Like, where do I start? How do I even start to put that into words? And sometimes feeling overwhelmed about where to start stops people talking. So our crisis supporters are really good at helping people navigate that little bit, that first bit of the conversation, you know, what's prompted your call today, just to try and allow someone to think about what is it right now? What's my overriding emotion right now? What's the situation today that's prompted me to try and help contain some of those feelings of being overwhelmed and start to navigate the conversation. So don't ever let that put you off calling because that's 
we expect that. We know that it's really difficult for people to know where to start and to try and put into a few words the, the magnitude of how they're feeling. So we're really good at helping people manage that and also being patient, like giving people time to tell their story and and make sense of it um, because that's really important. Sometimes it will be the first time, and this happens to, to, to us a lot, it's the first time that anyone's ever told any anyone else about the thing that they're talking about. It could be something they've held inside for years and have never mentioned to to anyone. So it's it's such a significant moment and we recognise that and we allow people the time and space to 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 disclose that and to and to air that in the way that is it feels safe for them. Is the call confidential or is the operator going to notify the police or maybe loved ones if they're worried about something that's been shared? Almost our calls are confidential, so people don't need to give any information about themselves. So they're anonymous in that sense. They don't. You don't need to give us your name or anything else. But we do through our telephony system. We're able to, if we need to, provide someone's details to the to the emergency services. And that I, I do want to stress that that happens in really extreme circumstances. Like we have less than. of all our calls where we end up having to escalate to emergency services on someone's behalf because they're so high risk. So we only would ever do that where the risk is right now. It's immediate where where someone was in such a, a, a high risk situation that we have no option but to intervene for their safety. But like I say, that is really, um, an unusual situation. We have a lot of people who call us who are in, a desperate situation and who are at risk but usually we try and work with them so that either they call emergency services or they tell someone else in their circle that they need emergency help so we try and help people manage that themselves or to get that emergency help they need themselves and um, we would never contact someone's loved ones we have no way of knowing any of that information so the only thing we can ever do beyond talk to you on that call is to go to emergency services and that is only if we feel that that risk is so extreme that we have no other alternative because we really understand that people ring us and they want that call to be anonymous and confidential and not to go anywhere so in the vast majority of cases nothing ever happens beyond the interaction that we have with you how long is the average length i guess it's a really weird question to ask but how long do calls usually go for you know we um we from our end we don't prescribe any any length of call and it really it really varies on the person and we can help you know we can it's easy for us to calculate an average length of call but you know that includes all the people who call us and and hang up as soon as they hear someone's voice because they're just not ready to talk to someone Mm. to the other extreme of people who might be on the phone for an hour or more because that's just what they need at the time so our message, our crisis support is, is a, a call is as long as it as long as it takes. It's as long as that person needs it to be. So um, we never rush people off the phone. If you need ten minutes, you get ten minutes. If you need twenty, that's what you get. If you need forty, that's what you get. What if, for example, the you know you've been on the phone for an hour chatting and the volunteer needs to go? Um, do they pass the call on to someone else, or do they? Is there a callback system in place? What happens then? 
No, there's there's nothing like that. So you would stay on the phone with the same crisis supporter for as long as you need to be on that call. So um, they're not going to put the phone down and go and speak to someone else. They just stay with you um, for as long as you need to be on that call. Yeah, and we do, we don't have a callback system now because again it involves people having to. Um, to disclose information they might not want to, but but really we're we're very much a, a point in time service. Someone's in a crisis, they call us. Really, part of what we try and do on that call is to help them think about what what's next. So where where do they need to get support from in a more ongoing way? Is it within their friends and family circle? Is it professional help? Is it GP? Is it some kind of uh, online ongoing psychology service so we really try and help people think about okay what do you need now what's next where are you going to go to next some people do call us back again and that's totally fine as well we do have a a bunch of people who use lifeline on a regular basis as part of their support system we are in the middle of a uh, nine-week lockdown here in sydney and you know um, morale is low and I'm sure that you're getting plenty of calls of that nature. What if we've got friends who are struggling with mental health, maybe not to the point of needing to call Lifeline or wanting to call Lifeline. Do you have any advice on how we can look after each other at a time like this? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's so important. And I guess one of our key principles at Lifeline is about connection, that how important it is to have a connection with someone and our services built on having those short but meaningful connections with with strangers really but the same principle applies in the rest of our lives in our in our private lives as well that the best thing that we can do is to um to connect with someone and to do that in a meaningful way so let them know that you're available that you understand that things are difficult um and and listen if people choose to take you into their confidence or want to talk make that a, a positive and meaningful experience for them. So practice what we call um, active listening, which is listening to hear rather than listening to respond, which is what most of us tend to do. We we have, have half an ear on what someone's saying to us and we're thinking about, what am I going to say back to them? How am I going to tackle that for them? How am I going to respond? What's the right thing to say? Try not to do that. Try to just listen to what the person's saying because most of the time people are not looking for a solution, you know, your friends and family, they know that you can't fix the lockdown situation, but what you can do to them is let them know that you understand how it's impacting them, that they might be struggling with, with their emotions and that you're you're available to them anytime they want to talk about that and just keep checking in, checking with people informally, you know, every few days, how are you going? Is there anything that I can do? Do you want to talk? Just let people know that you understanding you're available and and that can sometimes be the best thing that we can do for people because i think at the moment a lot of people have the sense that everyone's in lockdown we shouldn't make a fuss about it there's always someone who's worse off all of those usual things that we tell ourselves to try and you know kind of rationalize some of the feelings we've got or really to dismiss some of the feelings we have but the reality is that there are some people who are struggling Mm. much more with the lockdown than others. And if you know who they are in your circle, then really I would say make a super big effort to keep connecting with them and let them know that you understand how difficult things are for them. 
Rachel Bowes from Lifeline Australia. I've been so encouraged by uh, what you do and what Lifeline does. It's so great that we have it within our our nation and uh, and so many people who give up their time daily to answer those calls at any time of day. If you do need help, it's always there. 13 11 14 is the number to call and I'm so thankful for your time this morning, Rachel. Thanks for joining us on Hope Breakfast. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening. Start your day with life words. Subscribe to Hope 1032's free daily email devotional at hope1032.com.au.